Plans to Merge. I am your host, Caleb Porcio. I'm your other host, Daniel Colburn. And today's episode is brought to you by the last episode of No Plans to Merge that never came out. It didn't come out. But this one did. This one did. I, I hope. Hopefully you're hearing this. If you're hearing this, it probably came out. Yeah, if you're hearing this, it means we didn't say anything that we were then like, ah, let's probably not put that one out. Yeah, which is, I just, let's just tell the listener that the last episode was so awesome for like 80% of it, but you and I are both too lazy to edit it. But Mm -hmm. 80% of it is like rules, rules, like top episode. Energy is so high, humor so strong, tomfoolery so present. And uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that that still like, you know, I don't know. Like we still yeah, get some credit. We did for one it. like whoopsie thing that we're like, ah, I shouldn't put this out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well. Anyway, it is. You what do it what is. you do. Make the listener wonder. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, and now I'm all low energy. You know, I gotta mm, ramp up. But you've got your little tea. You're I'm trying, tea. trying to ramp Ooh, up. I, I've, you know, my lovely wife, uh, who's kind of dressed like Where's Waldo today, um, <laughs> she. Came home from work and brought me this here yerba. mint yerba mate. So just for for the show. Oh, that's really nice. We're working a yerb today, guys. You often work a yerb on the show. Uh, interestingly, it's actually been like weeks since I had a yerb. Well, it's been weeks since we recorded. That's true. That's you make a really fair point there. Yerb, a good guy, Daniel. Yerb, a good guy, Daniel. Mm-hmm. I am making a pizza oven. I just want. Oh yeah. That's why I'm tired. I just stacked a bunch of bricks. <laughs> stacking bricks in the hot stacking sun. Stacking bricks. You know what's really satisfying? Stacking bricks in the hot sun. Seriously, just dry <laughs> stacking bricks. You know. Mm-hmm. You can make like a structure by just buying bricks and stacking them, and it mm-hmm. feels something about it. It's like. It's better if you if you put you know mortar in there not necessarily dude could be a mistake well this is a yeah. this is a, a hacky pizza oven that's temporary but mm-hmm. i've mortared bricks before and if they're not on like a concrete pad or like some really solid structure the ground's gonna heave and then you're gonna crack all the mortar and it's gonna look like crap mm. you know apparently mm. people dry stack like in kilns dry stacked fire bricks um, tons of fireplaces, furnaces are just dry stacked. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, the name of this episode is dry stacked, by the way. Yeah, it is dry stacked. And because like the bricks expand a little bit when they're hot, so it creates like almost basically airtight seal and uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, My yeah, chimney's dry stacked. Really? No. I just had it redone and uh, I asked the guy to use mortar this time. Just for one, you know. Just for try once. It out. Try it out. I have mortared bricks though for the first time this past year, and mm-hmm. it is also super satisfying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there is something really satisfying about um, like heavy things, like bricks. The thing that's yeah. fun about them is that they're heavy, and so then like it see, is. The phrase what's I want to use them. is thermal mass, even though it's not technically what I'm talking about, but like. I just like the idea of something solid, but the reason that it's solid is that it's heavy. Yeah. You know? I agree with you. Bricks are... Oh, dude, I saw something some from a Van Neistat like, uh, reference. He referenced mm-hmm. something at one point that I dug into a little bit, 
and there's this guy who has like a word for items. We probably talked about this on the show. Like we've definitely talked about this firewood mm-hmm. bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of other items like this, but just like items that are purely good, like mm-hmm. just handling them, owning them. Mm-hmm. They're just perfect. You know, yeah. I'm so not doing yeah, yeah, this yeah. justice. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, please hit us up. No, but, but I know what you're right? saying. Like, like they've dude. got like a very satisfying, like interacting with them in any way. Yeah. Is really satisfying. Like a cinder block is not a beautiful thing. No, but a brick is. A brick is a beautiful thing. Yeah. A clay kiln fired brick. So how much does a mm-hmm. brick cost, Daniel? Uh, what's a brick? Uh, I'm saying a brick is... 60 cents pretty much yeah the the ones i got were 48 cents okay but cool, yeah, okay yeah. i asked my niece yesterday what a brick is is cost because i was unloading bricks mm-hmm. and she's like uh 50 and i'm like <sighs> she's she's really young so it's yeah. cute and i said 50 cents actually and she was floored she couldn't believe it yeah. and she was like what she's i i could buy like 20 bricks and i'm like i know <laughs> that's a lot of bang like that's buck. pretty empowering that somebody her size could just like own 20 bricks <laughs> yeah exactly but right like 50 cents and you get this big heavy thing that's pretty cool yeah yeah um you know like a really good walking stick that you found yeah similar you know yeah good walking or, stick um, for sure you know what a, a real a real like a just a great baseball bat yeah, a baseball you know bat is, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, baseball a Louisville bat slugger, like wooden, mm-hmm. or even like a good metal bat. Really, you're right that it is an extremely like a leather satisfying handle. thing to to handle. I'm not going to put this in the same category. I, I think this is not what I'm talking about with a piece of wood and mm-hmm. and a brick. There's some quality that that I don't think is captured in a metal baseball bat, even a formed baseball bat or a wooden baseball bat, but. But I, hmm. I, I like it that you're right, that as far as things I want to like handle, a baseball bat yeah. is very high up there. Like I want to have a baseball bat in my room right now that I'm just kind of working. Absolutely. You know? Yes. Have you seen the um, videos of people doing like, like um, smack the baseball bat on the ground and it does like a flip and then they grab it? You know, if you just like picture yeah, just yeah. what you've seen this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so just like whack a baseball bat as hard as you can it goes and then you just like grab it and so they also can like wind the baseball bat up go to swing but then like midway through a full swing they like jerk it and make it do a flip and then continue with the swing and it looks incredible like it looks like they're defying that they just pause time mid swing it is the weirdest thing so cool. cool so yeah and I, so I like oh, yeah. I when I had a baseball bat, but I saw that. And then I was like in the back with Hannah and river and I just like and you whacked it on. Okay. It just, bat. whatever. It just not, it was comical. And I was like, what are you doing? Oh, in other news of like random, um, things like this here, here we go. Are you ready, Daniel? Now you. I used to be able to do it. Ah, okay. Um, I'm working on it. 
Daniel's yeah, I can't trying to whistle with his hands. Yeah, so for the listener, it's just my hands making a whistle noise, which you people can like we, play. We can't hear the whistle noise. Oh, seriously? Well, actually, they probably can. It's probably just zoom compression. You can hear that, right? Mm-mm. They can hear yeah, it, and Zoom's, they're like... I think Zoom's compressing it out, but they can that's hear crazy. it That's sure. Um, Funny, dude. I couldn't hear yours, but I didn't think you were... I didn't know if you were doing it. I wasn't But it was dead it, silent. So. Like, I wasn't sure if you let like, your audio cut out. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, dude. Morning doves have been howling off in the yard. So mm. I was just like, how do I talk to these morning doves? So now yeah. I'm trying to get that going. And it's so cool. Yeah. It's like, dude, you could whistle with your hands. How cool is that? Yeah. There's a lot of ways to whistle. What else you got? Uh, well, there's like the finger whistle. Yeah. Can you do that? Then then there's like, no, I can't. There's like, then the there, double actually, there's like finger. multiple finger whistles. Yeah, there's the double finger whistle. There's the <laughs> one-handed finger whistle. Um, then there's like yeah, the two mouth whistles, right? There's So there's the... There's center hole out. Right? And then there's the teeth whistle. Like the... Oh... Is that how the um, guy on Guardians of the Galaxy whistles that weapon around? Because that's like a... I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, I um I actually never really learned how to whistle the right way. When I met Charlotte, I couldn't whistle the normal way, which is like the make a circle with your lips way. Yeah. Uh, I could only do teeth whistle my whole life. I only teeth whistled. And then... She was like, you whistle weird. And then they made fun of me about not being able to whistle her and her mom. And so then eventually I was shamed into learning how to whistle. Yeah, I used to do a a fake whistle, like just a hack to feel apart, but I couldn't change Uh the tone really. It was like a... Yeah, maybe what you're talking about, dude. It's like a... It's like you're kind of using your upper palate behind your teeth. Dude, that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did for a long time. I did that I my whole life. That. I felt like a fraud. Uh huh. I'm still not very good at the normal whistle, I but I can properly. do it. So my brother used to piss me off. He whistled nonstop, and it was infuriating. He would whistle out at the side of his mouth like this, and he would whistle breathing in. So like his brain's like totally backwards, and he was pretty good. Gotta say. Like he definitely had some good whistle moves. He wanted to be a professional whistler. That was like his goal. There's only a handful of jobs. <laughs> well, there we talked about this, right? Like that the it's not Gra- a booming industry. There's a like wired, you know, interview with like the professional whistler who did the Andy Griffith show and stuff like that. And he he's really into whistling. He's got a bunch. He does like a whole prep routine. But anyway. Uh, yeah, that's whistling. So there's front mouth, there's side mouth, there's in, there's out. There's a lot of ways to whistle. Oh, have you done the oh, yeah. blade of grass whistle? Yeah, I can do that's that. That's a one. good time. That's like a that's like a clarinet. Yeah, you're making a little reed. You're making a reed. With the reeds. Mm-hmm. A reed with the reed. Yeah. What other like fun body part human tricks? Yeah, human tricks. You got like the armpit fart. That's a good Oh, that's, that's good an one. early one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and then hand farts. You've got all sorts of body farts. Hand farts, yeah, yeah. Armpit farts, um, hand farts, real farts. That's a yeah, sure. Um, an art form. You've got like the oh, the, good... like that. Wait, 
Oh. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. When I was a kid, I was a master of it. Yeah. Were you like that really? That little water droplet doit sound? Yeah. Yeah, I won't be able to hear it, but the user might. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Um, Yeah, that is a good one, right? There's uh, like... What are the other... Yeah. I can't do it, but if you like smack your lips really well, it gives that nice pop. Pop, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of... Human bodies are crazy. They are. Yeah. I mean, there's like tongue twisting, you know? Sure. Where you like... Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of... Um, That's a good one. There's lots of good breakdancing moves. That's one of my like favorite human body there. things right now. Okay. I know, <laughs> but I was watching a lot of breakdancing videos last night. Segway. There's like a whole new... We're in a new era of oh. breakdancing. Breakdancing needed that. Yeah, we're in a new era. Okay, what are people doing? Just like a lot of kind of like what you were talking about with the baseball bat, where you're like kind of stopping mid swing yeah. and like doing something crazy. It's weird stuff where they'll like they'll be like falling almost, but then they'll stop falling and then continue falling. Oh, that's so cool. Where it's like it turns out they weren't falling all along; right. they just looked like they were falling, but it was like totally controlled. Ah. Oh. And they're able to like stop it and kind of like stutter step their falling, right. which is crazy. That's crazy. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of like you take a big dynamic motion and then like stop in the middle of it mm. and then continue. So like maybe you dive into a roll, ah, you know, and just freeze. But you dive and then as your hands touch the ground, you kind of stop and then you just kind of like hold yourself. That's so and then cool. you like continue into your roll. You know, that is cool, dude. There's a lot of like stopping in the middle mm. going on, which I really like. Have you ever like dove, you know that where you kind of like dive and then use your hands to like, you roll over one of your arms, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. diagonally across yeah, your I back and everything. So you've done that. Isn't that the coolest yeah. feeling? Just like free diving mm-hmm. in air above ground. So when I did judo, we used to have to, this was like, I don't know, as a child. Um, but when I did judo, we used to, drill it like hard so you would start at one end of the dojo Mm. and just start dive and roll dive and roll dive and roll all the way across the dojo then all the way back then all the way across and all the way back for 45 minutes wow and then we would start doing this thing where like people would kneel down uh and then you would run and dive over that one person and then two people would kneel down you would run and dive over those two people and like you know at some point like you know, I was a kid, but then like the older black belts and stuff, there would be like 12 children like kneeling down and these guys would just like run and dive over like That's 12 so kids sick. and roll out the other side. It was dope. What's the benefit of the dive? Uh, well, it, the idea is basically you can fall without getting hurt and you can get back on your feet really quickly. So like from what, what are we talking like from a roof or something? Because I feel like you're just going to yeah, break so you, your arms if you... If you no, not not if you distribute the the energy correctly, right? So that's the whole thing. Is like like if you look at like a parkour landing, yeah. right? Often what they'll do is kind of land and then go into a roll, yes. right? Yeah, they do like a quick so the feet thing wanna, and then they immediately go into that roll. Yeah, so you want to take this vertical energy that you have yeah. and make it horizontal. No, I get that. What I want to see is somebody leap off a building like they're diving into a pool and then just like roll out of it. Oh yeah, that seems hard. <laughs> 
but right like what's the use of doing the diving over a bunch of kids like is that useful in any real world yeah, well, so in judo you get thrown all the time okay right so it's all about like you need to be able to get thrown and not get hurt okay right you need to fall without getting hurt yeah um so like say someone grabs your like lapel and your sleeve yeah right and then they turn and then they kind of pull your lapel over their shoulder and just kind of throw like kind of hip toss you yeah. right mm-hmm. you're going head first into the ground when you get hip tossed mm. right so you really want to not break your neck there sure and the way to do that is to roll out of land like on that, like yeah. the blade of your hand yeah and then just kind of roll it out mm-hmm and then if you do that correctly, you can get hip tossed and then land and be standing up instantly. Yep. And then judo you can chop. Kind of roll all the way to your feet. You know? Yeah. Anyway. I have gone over the... So I learned all that shit when I was a kid. Then there were times where like I went over the handlebars of a bike and just like instinctively oh, cool. rolled out of it. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I trained that for hours and nice. hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. That's cool. Yes, otherwise that, that'd be a real bum. A real bum. Yeah. I, I told you I've been skateboarding again. Have you? Yeah. You got a kickflip? I can kickflip, yeah. It's pretty decent. Good. Um, Yeah, I'm a lot worse than I used to be, but skateboarding is like, you know, all falling. Mm-hmm. And it it's an injury factory, bro. I am just reminded mm-hmm. that this sport is like, you're just guaranteed to hurt yourself every time. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't think of anything else that's like that. Like where you just straight up go in and the whole thing is falling off of a piece of wood with wheels under it. Yeah, You know, you know what's wilder is BMX. Like that's so scary. It, yeah, dude, BMX is freaking wild. It's you have a giant metal thing moving yeah. with you. You can get all tangled up in it. It's weird because like I, I did BMX for like a year. And in some senses, like if you start to learn skateboarding, you're going to fall a zillion times because you can't stand on the thing. If you're learning BMX, you know how to ride a bike, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's a path to getting good at BMX where you don't fall that often, you know, where you like get good at wheelies. Like if you get good at like wheelies on a, on a BMX bike, if you go too far back, you just like shove it out and you stand up up straight, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like not a big thing or an ollie on a, or whatever on a BMX bike, like a bunny hop, like on a mm-hmm. skateboard, it's just going to fly out from under you all the time or land in your crotch when you land on it or land, you know, it's like you're going to land on the trucks or something and you're going to slip out and smash your whole body like over and over. Um, but yeah, bikes are nuts at like scale, like seeing people do big stuff with these huge hunks of metal that weigh a ton is insane. Mm-hmm. to me oh it's crazy it's so scary especially like think about just like going from not knowing how to tail whip a bmx to knowing how to tail whip a BMX. i can't even imagine people doing like ground tail whips like you literally just bunny hop and tail whip on the ground yeah like how like, in the world are you generating that much freaking break force? your shin oh my gosh dude getting hit by the peg of a bmx bike. yeah i i should clarify that i'm positive bmx is its own form of extreme danger yeah i i landed like you wrong just get your foot like tangled in the chain of your bike or something and you just die i forget what i did my bmx career ended because i think it was just 
oh, I was trying to do 180s where you like bunny hop in the 180 and then ride backwards. But you mm-hmm. have to keep your feet like perfectly on the pedals. And if you don't, there's this like metal gnarly thing waiting to destroy your shins and everything. Like that mm-hmm. happens all the time. But I landed like half off of the pedal and just whatever, like sprained my ankle worse than I ever have. And it like ballooned and it was just, it was just horrible just from landing wrong on the pedal, you know? And, like, uh, and I was like, you know, I think like this is too much for me. If your foot slips off the pedal, you just like nut check yourself with a bicycle. Not necessarily because they're really low. Yeah. But yeah, I like guess. you could definitely beam your nuts on it in a million other ways. Yeah, dude, BMXing, actually the skate park that I go to doesn't allow bikes. It's scooters, blades, and skateboards because yeah. their insurance policy won't allow bikes. So when I was a kid, I in Japan, I used to ride the train to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I used to just like ride a bike to the train station and then take the train and then walk from the other side. Yep. But then I was like, this sucks because I have to walk from the other side. So I started taking a razor scooter. Nice. And so I would razor scooter to the train station, then ride the train, then razor scooter from the other side, you know? Yeah. And so I was just on a scooter every day, all the time. Um, so I had like good tail whips and really? like, you know, lots of, yeah, I was pretty good. Like nice. 360s, you know, lots of scooter tricks. Scooters are cool. Um, but it was mostly a transportation mechanism. I can't do but like, a tail whip on a, on a scooter, like jumping and then whipping it and then landing back. You know, I do the, like, you just stick your foot down for a sec and then you whip the tail and then it smacks your ankle and then you mm-hmm. are really sad. But yeah. Um, I would break the wheels. You know, there's like a plastic core yeah. to a, yeah, it's like razor a roller blade wheel. wheel. Yeah. So like I would, you know, every once in a while I would just take like, I would do too big of a jump yeah. on one and I would just land and just crack the plastic core. Yeah. I think um, like, um, scooter people who ride scooters, like I, I was checking them out at the skate park. There's some pretty ridiculous, like literally the skate park. They must be using like aluminum cord wheels now. Yeah, they have, you know, like inline skates versus rollerblades, you know, Mm -hmm. like inline skates that people like grind and and half pipes and stuff. Those wheels are way like smaller. They're smaller and they're fatter. Um, Mm -hmm. And they they had a scooter just like that. Like it was like a special whatever. That must be what people do. But this dude literally just like went up a half pipe, did like a backflip 180, like right off. I was like, Right in front, I was like, dude, what? This is something like normal people are capable of doing. I don't even get it. Scooters are fun, dude. Gnarly. I want to go. Scooters are fun. I rode one the other day at my uh, nephew's house and had a ball. Like, so yeah. much freaking fun. I should get a scooter, dude. Dude, I was just I need thinking a when, you were talking about, when you were talking about like a skateboard hitting you in the crotch. Yeah. Like, there was this in front of my school in Japan. There was like a ledge. It was probably a two foot ledge. And then there was about four feet of curb. Okay. And then the street. Yeah. So the ledge was about like three or four feet back from the street. Yep. And so I had gotten to the point where I could ollie down the ledge. Okay. But then I was like, I want to hit this gap. So I want to ollie off the ledge, then over this like three feet of curb and then land in the street. Okay. You know? And so you had to like have a lot of speed and stuff. So you're to trying to just it. clear the whole three foot long curb thing and go right into yeah. the street uh-huh okay. gotcha and you know i was what like 12 or something um and i'm so i'm like trying to do this and like i just kind of like i don't know it was that day i just like had no fear for some reason yeah you know 
And I was just like, I was going fast. I was ollieing yeah, and falling and ollieing and falling and ollieing and falling. And then I was starting to get close. And then I remember I just, I landed, but I landed my foot on the front, like on the nose mm. of the board. And my back foot didn't land yeah, on the board. Shot right up. And, and so that. it just like shot up and like, boom. And just like, I landed, like fully skewered myself uh. on this skateboard. Oh, dude. And I just like laid there in the street for a while. <laughs> I was like, this sucks. Are organized sports, do you get as injured if you're like, if you play football or something? I never played any of those sports, so I don't know. I mean, I think in football. Yeah, I guess football, you're labor. freaking like. You're gonna have like, like a mental issue. <laughs> That's super funny, dude. Um, yeah, but I don't know, man. But scooters, anyway. The thing scooters. I was thinking about is that that same ledge on my scooter, I could like 360 tail whip it, or like you know, do a 180 and roll out of it backwards. Like I was so much better at scootering than I was at skateboarding. Mm. But it's also easier. Yeah, scootering. Scootering and rollerblading, yeah. I'm sure there are tons of levels of it that are just as hard. But skateboarding, the yeah, you know, like the um, the learning curve is so steep. Like to do a bunny hop on a scooter, you could go from like barely knowing how to ride a scooter to doing it in a day. To like mm-hmm. learning how to ollie decent on a skateboard will take you months. You know, um, I get that's what I think. I don't know like mm-hmm. what if I had just stepped on a skateboard today, like how long would it take me to learn how to Ollie, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It took me it a It would while. take a minute. It took me a long freaking time. I don't know if I could Ollie a skateboard right now if you put one in front of me. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, I was watching this. I could definitely shove it. Yeah. You can always shove yeah, it. You can always shove it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun, dude. Yeah, um, I remember uh well, whatever. I, I I, th- I mentioned this on the other podcast, but I was talking to my dad about skateboarding and he, he just like took the minute to like politely, but be like, I don't think you were as good as you remember. <laughs> and I'm remember like, yeah. screw you, dude. And, but I, I thought like, yeah, he's probably right. This is one of those things. I probably thought I was like hot shit when I was 12 or 10 or something. Cause I was better than the other 10 year olds, but I, which just yeah. sucked like compared to a 16 year old who, applied themselves but but i could do a skate i was like i remember the house we lived in and i remember i we moved out of there when i was like 12 so this was before then and i was just trying to kickflip over and over and over like for weeks and weeks just in the driveway like try 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 and then i eventually whatever landed on i was very excited but he did remember that and conceded somewhat but i did suck compared to what i thought and uh yeah yeah so part of me wants to like get good it's like maybe now is my opportunity to become like an actually good skater mm-hmm. but it's a long road with tons of injuries like every time i go yeah. i like mess up my ankle I'm, my wrist my back basically everything i'm certain that i'm too old to get good at skateboarding now i wonder how does uh height like help or hinder with like it's worse it's, it's, it's gotta worse. be worse right it's gotta be worse it's gotta be worse I'm just awkward. I'm an awkward. There's boy. a lot of things that you just have a, a real distance. Like you probably have a huge advantage. I mean, obviously a lot of things like running, throwing, like your arm is like so huge. Like I bet dodgeball, mm-hmm. you could just freaking like baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Anything like that. I have a buddy who's a little taller than you actually. And playing dodgeball with him, it's just, he's not even that athletic. It's just brutal. Like that ball is mm-hmm. like, 
on this massive arc, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, leverage is an interesting thing. What What were you naturally good at because you're so tall? Um, I mean, when I was a kid, I played baseball with Japanese kids, and I could just throw harder than other people mm. early. Yeah. Um. So, like, pitching, I could just, like, I was, I felt at least that I was a good pitcher. Yeah. Um, at least until there was an age where everyone started playing organized baseball and like they got yeah, on teams and, it's and over, shit. Yeah. And I never did that. Yep. Same here. But like while it was still like pickup games, just pick up I stuff. was like better than everyone. Yeah. You know, dude, that's but then my they all life. Like went and got coaches and started learning. Shit. I know. Um, but yeah, I don't know the um. Height. What? Is, I mean, obviously basketball. Oh, volleyball. We played volleyball. Oh, a there lot. you go. Volleyball is. A blast if you're tall. I bet, dude. <laughs> dude for, volleyball is you're so high fiving over the You just net. like every once in a while, you just jump up and you're just like face to face with someone. And yeah, they're trying to spike it down in your face and you're trying to stop it. You know, it's great. Was it you or somebody on Twitter? I posted that backflip and and there were some tall folks talking about, or maybe I don't know. Maybe Jake what? Bennett was like, I want to learn to do a backflip, and somebody else was like, You're too tall, man. Like, trust me, you can't do it, or you can try, but it's like way harder. Wait, so tall people can't backflip? Uh, that's what somebody on Twitter was saying, that it's much harder if you're tall to backflip. Hmm. I guess that makes sense because you want to pull in. Yeah, you need to tuck it for all. For the maximum rotation. Yes, yeah, so you got a, kind of, a lot more to lot pull to in. Yeah, you got a lot to tuck. So, yeah, you might have a hard time doing a backflip. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. How is your so you maintain open source software now again? Yeah, you're back. You're back in the business of having software. Yeah, Laravel Livewire is the Laravel Live the package. It's like Livewire. a full. It's like a full stack framework um, for Laravel, which is a framework. How do I describe this? Okay, you know, like if you if you're on like um, if you have like a banking app, like you log in, you know what I'm saying? Like, like mm-hmm. I'm more work on. It's better for like apps not websites mm. so like a website is like a long yeah, like yeah. a brochure website exactly yeah so if you go to your landscaper site like what i'm talking about is when you log in like your banking app and you see like a table of data so liveware is data like tables yeah good for that what about forms is it good also for forms yeah really good for forms yeah yeah good for forms good for data good for tables. forms Got good it. for tables um yeah so yeah cool do you um i, I was just doing a bit but i'm curious like did you that's what I have to tell people, mm-hmm. you know, who don't know anything mm-hmm. and like really want to know what I do or what Livewire is about or whatever. Do you mm-hmm. find yourself making that distinction? Having to be like, well, how do I put this? Like, yeah. oh, you make web websites? Apps. Like, and I, I have to, yeah, give like a pitch on like, well, web apps. And the, and I always just say like, you know, like a banking app or like they can, you can like do I always stuff. just say web and mobile apps because I also do have done and still do like React Native oh. stuff. Oh, that. And so like, I think that, by saying web and mobile apps, I think I clarify that like the things I make do a job. Yeah. Like it's think about what apps presenta- do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then like I make those things both for web, but also for phones. Yeah. It would be lying for me to say mobile. So that doesn't really Have help. You never me. made a mobile app. No. Do you want to develop an app? No, I've never made a mobile app, bud. Remember that one time uh, where I was like, hey, Caleb, 
I'm going to make Livewire native. Yeah, and I was like, native. don't do it. You're like, don't gonna... do it because I'm going to do it any second. <laughs> no, dude. I said any decade. <laughs> any decade. You said don't do it. And uh, I've never, I haven't seen hide nor hair of Livewire native. <laughs> yeah, well, Marcel's going to build it. Don't. That's not what you want. You don't want that version of it. Why not, dude? Just let Marcel do it. You don't it. want that version. Uh-uh. Um, Daniel. Bro, the platform version of Livewire is so strong. Oh, you're saying... Well, Marcel would do a platform version, I would imagine, where I would just do like a Turbo Linksy version. Hybrid. Yeah, that's what you want. Hybrid do. native. Mm. But yeah, I think like... I think the Livewire as a backend service with front-end agnostic implementation is super strong and then basically building so like how you're how that guy at laricon built the whatever code igniter implementation it wasn't code igniter it was something else cold about? fusion the cold fusion implementation oh of, yeah yeah cold fusion of uh, livewire right or cobalt so, i forget i think it's cobalt I thought it was Cold Fusion. I thought I don't think Maybe it was Cobol. You said Cobol on one episode of the podcast, I but lied. I still think it wasn't Cobol. Yeah, okay. Sounds anyway, good, yeah. um it so he basically like implemented his own back end mm-hmm. and then uses your front end. Yeah. I think the opposite is more interesting, which is basically like implement your own front end, use the back end, because it opens up the door to things like react native implementations and stuff like that where like you basically are doing you know like you add the same sort of things where like you have custom tags with attributes yep you know yep with and like you make these sort of input components that have like wire model attributes on them and all this stuff like that's the that's the juice of it because the beauty of livewire is that you write the code you would have written anyway Mm. but you add a few attributes and now it's just magically connected you know yep um but i do think there is a the story of i need to make a mobile app but i also want to use livewire for the parts of my app that are web facing yep is not there yet because it's basically like okay well like go make an api then in addition to your livewire app yeah to people people don't need mobile apps what do you mean? I, I'm working on a website right Who now. Who needs them? I want to know what percentage of Laravel developers benefit from being empowered to be able to make mobile apps. Are you asking me how many Laravel-backed mobile apps I've built? <laughs> so in my mind, it's one of those uh-huh. like, well, yeah, mobile apps would be great. But like, who needs a mobile app, Daniel? Everybody? Half the people? 25% of the people? I don't think, 10? I don't think that's the question you should be asking. I think the question is, so there do need to be some mobile apps, right? Can we agree on that? Sure, yeah, in the world, absolutely. Yeah, and it'd be cool if they were, uh, if the people building those mobile apps were allowed to be in our ecosystem of like Laravel, Livewire. Yeah. We don't want those people, we don't want to just abandon those people to Django. Django's got a good mobile app platform? No, it's just API shit, right? Okay. It's like the world of like, uh, it's the world of like unopinionated build it from scratch like 
stuff, you know? Yeah. It's that bad, bad world. Right. It's like the JavaScript. I, yeah, world. I hear you. Um, I wonder like, if we don't Laravel... want these people to use like Firebase and Go as their backend. Right. I wonder, I'm thinking of like, hey, you know, and Basecamp, mm-hmm. like need mobile apps, like they're at that scale. Uh, uh, I'm going to just say the thing. Don't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite the bullet. Uh, the whole Basecamp story yeah. for mobile and native is bad and they're bad and they don't make good software. Okay. I agree with you that the software they make feels so I'm not minimal. Gonna, it feels bad. Yeah. Okay. Like it's not good to use. It doesn't feel good to use. It feels bad to use. Yeah. I, you know, I, you are totally welcome to say it. And I'm not even going to completely disagree with you, but I don't completely agree with you because I, yeah, I don't know. So what, what is the alternative? What is, what are the ways that it's bad? Like, are you encompassing everything? UX performance? Like, is it, uh, it feels, it, it feels like some guys were like, I only know how to make websites and I don't want to think really at all beyond the very very basic stuff that i know how to do already yeah I, to me it seems like they're taking a team it doesn't f- sorry they're taking a small team and doing mm-hmm. a ton with a small team and actually pulling it off you know okay are they doing a ton i mean they have two really big apps and two mobile apps. One of them's twenty years old and doesn't get a lot of new features. You know, I mean, it's been rewritten twelve times, so it's like a yeah. new app every couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what the maintenance on Basecamp is like. I know they do improve it. Like um, Jason Fried still like you know shows off new stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Hey, obviously is like a whole big thing that they run and do. You know, I don't know. I, I think it's like they have. They make zillions of dollars on, and they have a lot of users on these big apps, but they're small enough to be in our, in our sphere, you know, they're not mm-hmm. like a giant company, but yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah, I just, just don't like their software. I know. Man. I know you don't like their software. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I've tried both of them. Yeah. Pretty. I didn't mind Basecamp. I gave them go- both a good shot. Yeah. You know, but I mean, Basecamp's I real bad. They feel, isn't everything bad? Notion's bad. Notion is bad. You know what's not bad? bad? You know what's the best piece of software in the world? Git. Linear. Linear is perfect. Linear. What's linear? It's like Jira for people who don't hate themselves. (laughs) I think you've given me that pitch before. I only remember this because of that pitch. That's what I always call it. I've definitely seen this landing. And you know what it is? You know what it is, Caleb? What is it? It's a React app that feels fast. Oh like the ux yeah of this thing is incredible cool like it feels native native wow like it feels sexy dude i want to sign up it is the best feeling application there is this is what i want to do i want to make i want to take like something and i think sorry like way at the edge like linear like something Uh where ux like matters a ton and the fidelity is so high and build it with Livewire and make it feel like well, you can't this is what I'm saying you can build linear with Livewire especially Livewire 3 right yeah like 
and have it feel fast and incredible with all the preloading and all of that stuff, like it'll feel great. You could make like a Livewire Alpine version of Linear that would feel as good and responsive as Linear feels. Okay. You couldn't uh, make a mobile app for that thing. They have a mobile app that you've used? They don't. Well, there you go. They actually don't make a mobile app, which is a disaster. It's probably better to not make a mobile app for most people. Yeah, for this, because it's like a tool for developers who are at a computer all day, it's fine. Right. You know? Yep. But like... Yeah, you. you I liked you said that on your other podcast that you're like, I remembered that when you were talking about, I think it was this at Titan or was it something that you're like... Slab. Yeah, slab. And you're, but I forget that... Like John's not on a computer all day. Yeah. You know, he, well, he, he like he will needs like, like his a like phone. Shop with an iPad with a keyboard. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, but okay, yeah, I got linear here. Um, I'll have to check this out because it would be really fun as an experiment to like, let's try to make pound for pound. You know, I, I would like to make app clones and just clone apps. And that would be a fun existence in my mind. It's just cloning apps and teaching people how to build you know, so linear is one of those like command palette and keyboard shortcut based action apps. Yeah, I see that. Yep. And I am obsessed with them. I remember there was an episode where I listed all of them that I'm using right now. Mm-hmm. But like, um, I really this is something. It's on my list. It's probably fourth on my list of like side projects I want to do, okay. but don't have time for. Yeah. But one of them is like I want to build the definitive live wire command palette yeah um like just the philo has wire elements and he has like a spotlight component whatever but yeah you should do it but i'm talking about like deeply integrated like you know like you can define actions on the back end that Mm. are like available throughout your app and there's like a central registry of actions that are like permission like part of the interface yeah. It's like you got so, your routes like, as an entry point in your app and then you got your spotlight commands. Like you literally yeah, could so have like, like web.php and like spotlight.php or something. Also, well, have you seen the Laravel Actions package? No. Okay, laravelactions.com, I think. Um So this is like the dopest package. So basically Yes, absolutely. These... It's uh what's his name? I don't know, but I always liked his uh design. So these um these classes are basically they can run as controllers or jobs or event listeners or commands. Yeah. So you can just like route to them like you can to a live wire component or you can call them as an artisan command mm. or you can uh, have them function as an event listener. Like you can register them as an event listener. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just like this is an action that happens. There's a million entry points into how an action can get triggered. Yeah. And so I kind of like the idea, this is something that's part of verbs, is the idea that like, this is an event that happens. There's a million ways an event can get caused. Yeah. Right? And so like, you can route directly to an event. You can, uh, ideally, I haven't totally nailed this down, but I think ideally, in I would love in a live wire uh, component for you to be able to, in your listener's assignment, just assign like an event listener straight to a straight to a verbs event or something. Hmm. Um, but anyway, there's like the, uh, the idea of like these things can be like hit from anywhere, yeah. you know, is really strong. And so the idea I would really like is for a, 
uh, contextually aware command palette that is available anywhere in your app that just knows like, hey, in this context, these are the commands that are available to me. And then like, here's what they do on the back end. You know, it's very, it's very sexy. Yeah. It's a hard problem to solve, but like, I feel like you could build it in a way that's pretty abstract and could could be in, implemented in most apps. Yeah, it doesn't even seem like a hard problem to solve. Well, it's a little bit of a hard problem to solve, right? Is it? Like, yeah, so for example, um, so in linear, if I press uh, Command K okay. and open the palette yep. and then start typing like, if, if my mouse was hovering over a specific issue in a list when I did that, mm-hmm. now I'm doing things to that issue. But I still need to be able, so I could say like oh. Command K, add a label to this issue. Oh, right? that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's already got the context of where your mouse is. Yeah. Whoa. Versus crazy. if I am... Wow, dude. So you, you see what I'm saying? So you could basically like... You could hmm. get make like a wire attribute or maybe just an alpine attribute that you just like add to things. Yeah. And then uh to give it context. Anytime they're hovered. Yeah. yeah. Anytime they're hovered, they like get It's almost like command routes. Like if you're hovered yeah. over post slash one, like in the file where you're defining your commands, you have like routes for yeah, you know. Yep. Um that's pretty interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So anyway, it's so deep in my stack, like I'm going to have to wait until a client needs it to build it. Right. Or I'm going to have to like pitch a client on build, putting it in their app. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I've never seen um, command palettes used that way. So this is kind of like the benefit is because the alternative is like a drop down in it. So folks, this linear app, whatever, there's like a, a data table of issues like from a GitHub repo or whatever. And they're just like, a list of stuff, let's say tickets or whatever in a table. And instead of having like a three dot on the right where you click and it drops down, it has a bunch of options. You could just hover your mouse over one of the rows and then type command K. And then a command palette comes up that says like at the top, it shows the title of the issue. And then it has all these things like assigned to like somebody. And it's, so it's like, you can, I guess a nice benefit is you can hit command K. Okay. I, I maybe all right if i'm hovered over to an issue i say command k i type assign i hit enter now i can search the assignee and then i can hit enter again and now i just completed the thing instead mm-hmm. of and these custom the thing. flows where you would like right click hit assign to a custom modal would pop up with a custom interface with customs it's mm-hmm. like this is very much like single text box are, are there uses where like what happens if if I'm doing more, like, let's say change status, like, is there, where's mm-hmm. the scenario? Where's the scenario where, oh, they still, you can right click on a thing and you still have all the abilities. Mm-hmm. And, well, and this is the thing, Caleb. So all of every, so like, you're always making this choice when you have like an index view and then a show view, right? Okay. You're always making this choice of like, Okay, well, we want to expose the most common functionality on the index view. Like, I want to have, like, a three-dot thing that lets me change the assignee of an issue yeah. without having to go into the show view and change it, right? Yeah. Um, 
But you have to make this judgment call of like, well, what is important enough to get bubbled up to the index page versus what should stay on the show page? Yeah. But like you do have a master list of everything that can be done to an issue. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the cool thing about a command palette is that you can expose all of it from the index view. It's freaking nuts. This app is nuts. If I hover it's over so an issue good. and I right click, I have access to basically everything I can do with the command palette, right? It's like duplicated. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm just hovering over this, folks, I just right clicked. I have a right click drop down menu with a bunch of stuff like assignee or whatever. If I just start typing characters, it's now searching through that list and more. Yep. And yep. now it's a command palette, basically. Yeah, <laughs> but it's and then, it is not the same interface. They must be maintaining. And then here's the like, best thing. Here's the best thing about the command palette. Wild. So go back through the assign flow, and you'll see that on the right side of the command palette. I'm not even looking at the app. I just have it. It's UI memorized. Yeah. Um, on the right side of the command palette. Yeah. It shows you the keyboard shortcut yeah, for every does, step. Right. And so I don't use the command palette that much anymore, but because the command palette trains you in the keyboard shortcuts. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. So, like, if I'm assigning issues to people, holy crap, dude! I'll <laughs> hover over it and press A, J, enter, and to to assign to John. A J enter is assigned to John mm. because it's A, and then I'm searching. Right. Yes. A J enter. Got it. Yep. So anyway, it's like it's very, and then I is just assigned to me, which is great. Um, it's it's sick like the way so the the idea that like you have a command so first you enter the concept of actions right okay then once you have the idea that like we're not as concerned with like crud editing a resource yeah. we're more concerned with performing actions on things okay right like assigning or updating the status of right something. but what about that like what if i want to you can edit i can still okay like it's it's like rename is an option. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's like the actions instead of crud, it's instead of an edit form. Instead of an edit form, there's a rename action Yeah, for like what for the title. And then there's like assignees to change a site. Everything is editing, you know, mm -hmm. they're just actions. It's all. Yeah. Or every editing is sort of a thin layer on top of actions. Okay. Right. So like when you go into the detail view of a, thing it kind of looks like an edit form yeah but like at the end of the day what's happening is you're either updating the title or you're updating the description or you're, you know it's it's not the actions. real bummer about this though is it's not like oh we can i could see this being very attractive to like okay you know how you create all these separate views for like your actual page then like a modal display version of that then a right click display version of it then it's mm -hmm. like what if you just had a command palette that handled everything mm -hmm. and now you don't have to be like a UX guru or whatever? That's not linear. Linear, just in my five minutes using it, there are like 10 different interfaces for the same thing. Yep. Which is like probably amazing to use. Yeah. Because anything you want to do is always like right there. Mm -hmm. But I do think, think about this. If you're testing a feature, you can just implement it as a command palette feature first, see if people like it. If they do, then you can spend the investment of like building all the UIs. True. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know. pretty interesting. Command palettes. I wonder, I mean, that's like a developer -y thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wonder but if you're superhuman. My email client uses a command palette and I love it's it. Superhuman, like a developer oriented email client. No, it's, I mean, it's definitely kind of like, uh, I would say like 
founder focused like it's definitely like in the kind of like uh microconf kind of scene yeah you know but like power user kind of it's, thing it's a power user tool for sure but it's incredible it looks pretty sweet it actually um, looks like freaking looks like the person who did this landing page did the linear landing page everybody's doing that glass new, that dark glass look yeah, yeah yeah there's a new uh calendar app that has it too which i haven't started playing with yet but i saw it and it looks like linear for calendars and i was like oh my god wow i'm gonna lose my shit this is definitely um, the hot design aesthetic atm well i'm trying to replace every part of my stack with things that use command k yeah to do everything, right i remember talking you know? about that yeah um but anyway so all this to say like this is if you want to go like unified field theory of software for me right now yeah. it's like the reason event sourcing is interesting is because it's very like actions based you know yeah. you do things to things yep. more than you just like edit the database you know okay. um and once if you have an app that is about doing things to things it's really easy to expose those actions in the UI through like a command palette or keyboard shortcuts or any sort of like right. action oriented UI. You already have that. Right. Yeah. And Livewire is really cool because Livewire does sort of break us a little bit. It doesn't, Livewire doesn't inherently do this, but Livewire lends itself really well to, uh, breaking us out of the purely like edit form world because you can just call functions on the back end by clicking yeah yeah or by it's doing already whatever. kind of busting you out of the crud routes situation yeah. and so like i really like the the types of apps i really like building are apps where it's like okay what think less about like what database tables are there and think more about like what things do people need to do yeah like what jobs to be done are there? I know. Right? Yeah. If only and we like, could free ourselves from the confines of a s schematic database. Right. Well, you can. But um, <laughs> am I but right like, though? It, like, yeah, it's, it's called event sourcing. Yes. Um, it, I guess in a sense, but there's still um, a database under the hood somewhere. Yeah, but it's just kind of a cache. Oh, right. Interesting. Like your your database is basically just a cache. Okay, yeah, this is the so I actually should probably just re-listen a whole episode so I don't um, <laughs> re-walk through the entire the entirety of event sourcing. But so is event sourcing that? Is it freedom from schemas without the pain of a schema-free database? Yeah, I think so. Right, because it's like, look, schemas are good. Writing queries is good right okay like writing bad messy terrible giant queries is bad right so like just make the schema you want to query yeah right and don't worry about like the rest of it you know yeah <laughs> like don't worry about all the other reasons you would design a schema a certain way yeah only think about like in my ui when i query this list of things what's a simple query i could write how do i wish my schema was yeah then just make it that way and then if you need to project data twice into two different tables because you're using it one way in one place and one way in another place, you can do that if you want to. You know? The ultimate, um, what is the word? The, I don't know. The goal is a tool 
that takes the benefits of event sourcing, but makes it fewer concepts, fewer files, fewer layers of indirection, fewer, 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 something that my silly little brain can like understand and use and feel like it's even easier than before, you know? Mm -hmm. So funny thing, funny segue. So Chris and I- What are you trying to develop an an app? Chris and I have an Airbnb booked in Baltimore for three days. Oh, cool. Um, because I want his input on verbs because he is a person who maintains event source software yeah. all the time. And he's kind of like a pretty good target audience for verbs. Yeah. And he's smart. I am very opinionated about aesthetics mm-hmm. in and I basically have said, like, look, I think I have an opportunity to write software that I think is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like for a second, it will be it will be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, like you do with the live wire. You're like, I really want this to be perfect for a sec until everyone fucks it all mm-hmm. up. Um, so I'm just like very committed to like, I want this to be perfect right now, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm not going to really compromise on like DX things or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So anyway we're really close and like there's just like a couple little pieces of of uh implementation left to do and there's one api that i don't think we have the best version of yet okay and i think like we should probably just rethink this api and try and find a better solution for it um but basically i'm going to baltimore he's coming to baltimore from philly and we're just going to lock ourselves in an airbnb and finish it uh so I'm really excited about that. Nice. Like two weeks from now. Sweet. Um, so I'm super psyched about it. Uh, I'm so excited. Dave. I think Verbs is like, it's just going to be really I nice. hope Verbs is exactly what I want. Can I also talk to you about like one other thing I'm really excited Church about? Um. So in Verbs, okay. I want to, like I want to be writing events and like writing sort of like domains with this like with my package okay right um and i want to write tests like the way i want to write tests for verbs is by testing real world scenarios and basically saying like hey can i write this domain implementation the way that i think it should be implemented okay and like do does it behave as expected okay and i want to basically have like four or five like example apps yeah that i write and then i have tests for those example apps oh and that's that, your test suite for the tool and well and there might be some unit tests yeah. but like that will be like my good test suite for the yeah. tool and so here's the thing i'm building silently as a part of verbs that i think might end up becoming its own package one day this is the part folks is, where daniel told john to not mention the thing on the podcast no it's not ah. can you tell us um, can you just stop being like a little schnitzel and just break just bring it out show some love to I your can't. no plans other to people, merge other homies? people have told me not to speak okay i'm not free to speak okay go on uh if i could tell you i would tell you. All right. um so i'm bound yeah i'm bound by contract okay um but the so, yeah, uh, sub component sub package inside of verbs might be its own thing yeah so basically there's like you know how there's like a tests directory and a source directory familiar okay so i have an examples directory Mm -hmm. 
Um, and the examples directory has a source directory and a test directory. Oh. And the source directory basically just mirrors the structure of a Laravel app directory. Okay. So you can register models, you can register controllers, uh, you can do whatever, okay. and then you can basically write Laravel application tests. Yeah. So like there's a service provider that will basically like go through and in your orchestral text test bench Laravel implementation yeah. that's testing your package will also run the service provider that registers all these like app level right. things. You're and just so using then you like... can basically just like write small Laravel apps um, in the mm. sort of like modular style, yeah. like Chris's modular package. Yeah. You can just kind of write these like very minimal Laravel apps or like mm. applets yeah. or something and then write tests for those apps. That's pretty cool. And then also those apps can have their own readmes, which kind of like explain some philosophy of why you might do things a certain yeah, way. Yeah, you can or like set configuration. You can have, yeah, full model definitions that aren't just like... And, yeah, and they're each their own little test suite, so they just get run separately. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I just think it'd be like, like a cool to, like way to build packages. And then this, the, this is the ideal, which I'm sure you can do. Maybe not. Can you open it in a browser and play with it? That is the ideal. I don't know yet. You should I mean, I that. assume. I don't know why not. That would be nice. So, oh God, this is, if you really want to know the craziest shit going on in my head. So Elixir published their notebook. Have you seen this? No. Okay, do you know Jupyter Notebook, like the Python notebook thing? No. Okay, it's like, uh, you, it's like notes, but you can like drop down into Python at any point. Okay, Project Jupyter. And Jupiter. then you can like execute jupiter j-u-p-y-t-e-r yeah um hmm. so you can basically like drop down into python at any point and you so you can like execute code inside of your notes you can have like code snippets that run in line hmm. you can use it to build uis into your notes okay are you talking about live book yeah okay so yeah Phoenix, definitely check uh, this out uh, and i was confused like what is live book elixir made live book which is basically like an elixir implementation of this okay um and there was a really good uh, Hacker News article that was basically like, Livebook is magic for documentation. Mm. Um, and they were basically just talking about like, look, if you're writing Elixir documentation, you can just run all, you can pull in your package and run the code and like have a UI implementation directly inside of your docs, which is crazy. Mm. And I was like, I've had this thing for a long time is like, I really want to have documentation linked to tests right yeah, we talked about this um, and i was like what are you talking about dude remember and a big part of it is like i want to say like look this chunk of text here is known to be true because of the following tests mm -hmm. right and like here's where they are mm. and like you can go look at the tests that tell you that this thing is true uh, or that maybe even test implementations of this thing. Interesting. You know? Um, and I really want to do like some snapshot testing of the documentation where basically you snapshot each chunk that is associated with tests. Yeah. And then you could build a CI tool where if someone PRs a change to code that is covered by a certain test okay. and they haven't PR'd a change to the documentation that also is connected to that test, yeah. it yells at them and just says, are you sure that the thing you changed doesn't 
Yeah. Like, or like if you add, if you change a test and you don't change the docs, you get yelled at. Or if you change the docs and don't change the associated test, you yeah. get yelled at. And it's not like it's going to stop you from doing something, but it is going to force you to say, I hereby confirm that the thing I'm doing doesn't need a documentation change, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. It's pretty interesting that there is some link between documentation, pieces of documentation and tests, which really means there's a link between documentation and features, which is obvious, mm-hmm. but it's true that... Well, and that's the thing is like, once you abstract the concept of a feature, yeah. then you can say like, well, this feature has documentation and it has tests and it has... Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. The The problem with documentation... So I the live stream I did earlier today was... yeah. Like we ended up just doing a lot of documentation brainstorming because there's a lot of mm-hmm. areas that LiveWire needs to do better with documentation. Basically, LiveWire currently doesn't have good enough reference documentation. It has like good story documentation. Um, and so basically what I'm going to end up having to do is repeat myself in a lot of places so that, you know, you choose your journey. It's like you choose the education-y storybook version for newcomers or you choose the like reference like look at a list of directives and be like, okay, I want to look at wire loading and just see how to use it, you know, without all the fluff. But anyway, point is that like, I was just thinking, well, I, I separate LiveWire's code base into f- discrete features. So there's like support loading, you know, and inside that there's like PHP files. I guess the dream there's PHP files and test files. And then I have a separate JS folder that has all the JS, JS features. But I guess the dream is to have documentation files JavaScript files, PHP files, PHP unit tests, JavaScript unit tests, and browser tests. Like that is the golden goose. Yeah. Um, somehow. I don't know how that works. But Yeah, I don't either. But I feel like I feel like starting with this examples thing is like a step towards that. You know? Like because I want exactly what you want. I want like fully unified, like because, yeah. like, I'm envisioning a world... Like, I've seen your life. <laughs> and, like, I'm envisioning a world where people actually use my package, yeah, right? Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, say there is, like, a certain amount of PR burden and issue burden and stuff. And, like, maintenance burden. Yep. And, like, I have dealt with that when I was maintaining Ziggy. Like, it's a pain in the ass, you know? Oh, yeah. Um. So, like, what can I do now to, like make sure that it's easy for people to know that they have to update the docs when they update it, you know, like, right. That stuff is so interesting. Yeah, it is. And just to talk myself down from my proposed dream, I think the complication is that documentation, it's like with code, you know, you make a lot of, a lot of trade-offs when you co-locate code by feature, you know, like you have to have all these hooks and stuff. So you're not spreading the feature across all the, you know, like we've talked like verticals and horizontal slices and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, we're do- I'm fully bought in on vertical, by the way. Vertical being uh, feature. feature. Yeah, yeah. Domain elements. Yes. Yeah. And as am I, I guess the only caveat for me is I'm not sure if I am in an application context, but I haven't written like a real app. I, am in an application I know you are. And that's like you, yeah. you and Chris have the whole like modular situation. And it probably is what's up. I think I would probably be there. I think I would probably be there because I love this so much for developing LiveWire, especially having the tests right there. So freaking nice. But and imagine having the migrations right there and the Yeah, that would be amazing. Yep. But documentation, 
ideally is written in an unstructured way, you know, where like you call out to different things when it makes sense, where it makes sense, and you don't organize things well from like a developer perspective. It's more like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just more distributed and I can see, I can see it just yeah, getting like the hairy, route, you know? The structure of the domain isn't necessarily the best route to learn. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The best English the language way The thing to about the Laravel docs that is so crazy to me is how it somehow manages to check both boxes. Yeah, the Laravel docs are are very interesting in in that way. Because um, there so many re, so many repos have the thing you're talking about, which is like story and here's reference. Here's the book. Yeah. Here's the book. Yeah. And then here's the API reference. Yep. And there's two things: the the book yeah. and the API reference. Um, Rust has it. Go has it. Uh, Adonis has it. You know. Yeah, I think Taylor just breaks out into reference documentation when he when it feels right. Just in the middle of the in book. the middle of the book. So I think it's Which Laravel is, is a book where like Tailwind is reference. You know, because the nature of the tool yep. is so much more referency. And there's not a lot of book to write. There's not a lot of book to write. Um, Laravel's all book that just breaks out in a reference. But I I'm, I'm think, you know what? I don't know if I believe this, but I I think LiveWire is both in that I still want to see a list of every available wire colon directive in the sidebar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That feels really good. The same way it feels good to see a list of all view directives in the sidebar. Um, I want to see a list of all the available property attributes, like locked, you know, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and same with blade. I want to go to the only important page in the Laravel docs, available validation methods. Yes. Or available collection <laughs> methods. If you're yeah. not as used to command iring collection.php. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Like validation. But yeah, I was thinking or about that. Like validation rules, yeah. available validation rules, available collection methods. It's like, where do those belong? Yeah. In the middle of the book, because it's not like, okay, like for Taylor, like what's he going to have like a sidebar item called blade directives and just have like 75 blade directives listed there. Like that would be. I also love the helpers page. That's like, oh. just got docs for all of them. It's like, here's all the string helpers. Right. Like here's all the. I know. Yeah. He's an animal. I have to channel yeah. my Taylor for this. I, I just wrote a pull request that, put all the items in the navigation didn't write a single bit of documentation but and i think it would take me a solid week minimum um but i think i gotta do it yeah yeah um okay so i saw a we have to wrap up by the way i have a pizza oven that i have to fire okay up. can do do we have 15 minutes dude we got 13 minutes for sure absolutely all right 13 sounds great um so i saw a tweet by a guy named Brian Castle, Cassell, okay. um, indie hacker, solo founder type guy, okay. talking about like how he decides whether to. He basically was like, "Look, there's three basic options for me to like make features happen, right? Okay. And it's build it myself, okay, um, hire a senior project or product type person who can basically like ideate, plan the project." do the UI, build the back end, you know, someone like me or you who, or Jason, okay. right. Who could basically like take something soup to nuts and just like think through it well yeah. and implement it and you know, everything. Or he said, or I can like hire like two junior devs and like carefully guide them. What is the first option? And he basically do it himself. Okay. 
do it yourself. Hire a senior soup to nuts person yeah. or hire like two junior devs and like handhold them. Yeah. And he basically like talked through all the pros and cons of it with like a couple of real features from his app okay. and like how he makes the decision. He ends up landing on like uh, the two junior devs thing. Really? Um, which is interesting. Um, and I want to ask you about it because you mm. mostly do things yourself. Yeah. When you don't do them yourself, you seem to farm them out to fully autonomous characters to, like Jason. Jason, the Josh, yeah. Um, what is stopping you from writing really, really good tickets that a junior dev could implement is my thought. Good question. Because um, he, he, his basic landing point was like, if I write good enough tickets, yeah. then like they can do it and it saves me a lot of time. I guess like I don't trust when I say when I ask Jason to do something you know how there's a million the whole thing is tiny little sub decisions mm -hmm. and I know he's going to make good ones mm -hmm. or the junior dev I almost know they're going to make bad ones and I have to be involved at like such a high level of like why didn't I just do this myself you know that's yep. pretty much how I feel. Um, I like mentoring people and I like that whole experience, but I guess for like getting stuff done, I really like, or like designers, you know, sort of the same. Like if you just hire a good designer and you're like, you know, if you go to get a haircut and you try to micromanage your own haircut, you end up with this garbage haircut where if you're just like, yeah, yeah give me a haircut. Even if yeah, that's yeah. not exactly what you pictured, it's going to be a good haircut because they had autonomy to just make the haircut. And so with designers, I think it's the same way. And developers, I think it's very similar too. It's like, if you're a junior and I'm going to be micromanaging like every little part of this, I mean, they're going to think, why didn't I just do it? Or I'm going to be like, oh, like because we, because two people had to like wrestle on every little decision this entire way, it's this Frankenstein-y thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, yeah, I really like working with Jason because I can just throw something over the wall and he will throw it and back. And he can and like autonomously done. knock it out. Yes. So I ended up DMing this guy and basically like pitching him that he should hire us. Mm -hmm. um, and I basically was like, look, here's, I watched your whole 25 minute video. Uh, <laughs> like, here's my thoughts. Uh, the big downside of the like senior autonomous guy that you talk about is that there's like a big sort of onboarding time where like they have to like ingest the whole project from you. Okay. Um, and it's not that much faster than you just writing really, really detailed tickets for the juniors. Okay. Right? Yeah. And I, my pitch was basically like, look, we have John who can be ingesting process from you and very quickly in that break off a chunk of work for me to start working on um or maybe even for jacob to start working on yeah where like we can actually like parallelize that process where like during the time where we're understanding the scope of what you want built we're also already writing code yeah you know and once we do understand the scope of what you want built which we can do pretty quickly because john's really good at asking questions yeah um we can basically like disappear and only talk to you for like really important decisions yep. 
Um, and then we can kind of go from like, we have a pretty good understanding of what you want to here's sh some shippable code, like totally autonomously pretty quickly, yeah. you know, as opposed to like the other people like need a lot of handholding either way, whether it's the senior guy or the junior guy, like there's a, either you do a bunch of upfront handholding with the senior guy, um, or you do a bunch of like along the way handholding with the junior guys. Um, I was like, I think we need like less handholding than almost anyone. Yeah in this scenario anyway but then i was started thinking about like inside of our company i do kind of prefer the junior thing yeah and like just writing really good tickets because like i i mean i think it would be cool to like have jason work with us or something but like the way the company structure right now is just like we just like fully understand the thing i write down like step by step how i would build this thing and it yeah. takes me 25 minutes to write a ticket but then I give it to Jacob and he knocks it out in two days. I guess if there's it's like so step by step, if there's no mystery as to like part of the implementation, I'm thinking of times where I've wanted to like, I know the, I know the exact API I want. Like mm -hmm. I want to be able to use a trait that gives some ability in live or whatever. And I know maybe the basic situation, but I haven't taken the time. Like you're only going to discover the way to do it when you start writing it, you know, that kind of thing. Mm hmm. Like maybe it's for more complex systems or less. But I do think there's this thing, and this is something John actually like forces us into a lot, which I really appreciate, is like he will very quickly be like, look, is the task to write the thing or is the task to figure out how to write the thing? Gotcha. Because if the task is figure out how to write the thing, that's Go the task. exploration on that. Don't burden that task with actually implementing it. Yeah. Just make the task like decide on what you want. Right. And... Pull out a new you branch, know, hack, and then just trash it. Hack on it. And then, like, the deliverable for that task is a implementable ticket. Yeah. And, right? And if you accidentally implement the thing along the way, like, so be it. But, like... I do think there's some distinction here because I think... I'm trying to... All of my development is in Livewire and Alpine. And it's all just bespoke, you know? Mm -hmm. Where, like, an application, there's more... Um, traveled paths there's more you know what i'm saying it's like you can be like we need these ui bits wired up with these endpoints wired up with these models and these columns and you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying and you can like and with this validation and you know you have a trained developer who like knows that basic stuff and then they can go and do the thing where if it's like we don't know how to accomplish this thing you might have to rework an entire system, you know, or you mm -hmm. might come up dry entirely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I think. Yeah, that is true. Like you have to make architecture decisions. Constantly. Everything is an architecture decision. Yeah. Everything's an architecture decision. Yes. Yep. It's very um, rare that it's just like, I'm waiting for the day where somebody goes, like I just added an encrypted, this is a great example. So somebody wanted, um, you know how you have like a public property that's an eloquent model in, in Livewire? Mm -hmm. When it gets dehydrated, sent to the browser, the actual class namespace of that model is in plain view if somebody opens their dev tools. Same with the yes. primary key. If you want to obscure mm -hmm. that key and obscure that namespace, there are kind of ways, but not really. People mm -hmm. have wanted since the dawn of, of the jelly to be able to encrypt that stuff and then decrypt it on the way back so that nobody can see it or tamper with it, you know? Yep. So now that we have PHP attributes, the, the perfect API exists. Easy. Encrypted. 
It's an attribute mm-hmm. that you just add to a property and it, it encrypts the metadata. Mm-hmm. My dream is that I create one class called encrypted. That's a PHP attribute that extends the hook that, you know, uses the dream situation that we've described. Locked mm-hmm. is that locked is the only thing that's the dream. Mm-hmm. And then I just use these hooks and I can like hook in a dehydrate, encrypt the payload, hook in a rehydrate, decrypt the payload. And then it's easy peasy, but it's so not that way. And this is one of those things that had to be, I had to like, you know, poke into the deepest parts of the system, write conditionals and such, write code, and then like evaluate all the other areas that depend on that piece of data being unencrypted, you know, whatever, just all of the little things. And then be like, is this worth it? Can I unify this code somehow without adding a ton of inner, whatever. This is the kind of thing that I can't just write a ticket and be like, here's the exact API I want. I think it's because a, I don't know the implementation. I have ideas, but you have to make so many decisions that so many times I feel like I can't trust anybody else with that because then they will have made all these decisions that I won't fully internalize. If I do and something's not beautiful, I will be mad at that. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, ah, I hate that this part of the system is so complex and I don't own it. Like what we did with the, the URL stuff in V2. That's like Mm -hmm. a great example of being bit by that. Um, so it's just better to write everything yourself (laughs) so that you, you have it all in your head, you know? Yeah. Whatever. But I'm just defending like the, the why I like don't sort of like, I think it would be really fun for you to try a feature with a junior dev who you're paying $45 an hour. Yeah. And be like, look, here's a feature. It's kind of simple. It's kind of hard. Yeah. You're probably going to run into a mess, but like try it and just like see what they do. Yeah. And then see if you hate it. Because I think the thing I've learned is that like, I think that actually like being forced to write tickets that junior devs can implement has made me a much better architect. Hmm. Because it's like made me think more. Yeah, it's like the writing a blog post at the beginning. Uh, for the problem yeah, that's, thing. My tickets are basically a blog post. <laughs> yeah, you're writing post. blog like, posts. and that. Here's what, here's why. Yeah. Here's some general principles we want to keep in mind. Now here's how I would do it. I'm going to snoot on junior developers a little more, Daniel. Yeah? This is why I don't want to work with junior developers at all. Unless I'm mentoring for like the purpose of enriching someone's life or teaching them. But as far as yep. like getting work done. Which is what I'm doing. I'm just trying to clone myself, which I am successfully doing, which is great. What are you doing? Which one that Cloning I just myself. described? I'm mentoring mostly Jacob right now, but John and Jacob. You started doing this just because they're friends and you. Years ago. You're right. Yeah. Because you're a good person. But I'm like mentoring them at this point for the purpose now of, you like, are i want them to have all of the same opinions and instincts yeah. that i have and like when a question comes up i want them to solve it like i would yeah which is great. totally um yeah it's an investment and there's a bunch of lasting value there but i need to snoot on on juniors briefly that i'm aware of how even now i'm aware of how much time i've burnt being an idiot you know mm-hmm gobs of time oodles and i think a junior developer if you pay them half they're costing you double because they're actually like gonna take four times or more as long i guess it depends what junior we're talking about 
but you know what I'm saying? I, this is like extremely elitist to say, Yeah. but I that, think that my view is that like, you, oh my gosh, it's such a massive waste of time. If you treat them like a senior dev, that's true. Yeah, right? I understand. If you try okay, and yeah, assign saying, them tickets yeah. like you would assign a senior dev, that's true. But like, here's a great thing. Like, say you go into an app and it's like, oh, like they have like a ton of huge views and like there's all these, like there's no blade components in this thing. Nothing's really extracted. There's no live wire components. It's just like, yeah, just a bunch of huge blade files. Yep. It's really easy for me to say, Jacob, go to this app and extract all the obvious components. Yeah. Go get all the inputs. Go get like, if there's like a photo component they use a lot, like grab it, you know, just go extract all the components. Okay. And he can do it and he makes the and right now choices Jacob about is what like, properties to pass into them. Yeah. How to like handle the naming bespoke properties or attribute forwarding, which slots, yeah. how to use the slots, like whether to go slots or, or parameters, whether to, mm -hmm. you know, provide scope down with like, you know, there's just, I guess, um, yeah. If you train somebody properly. Well, what, what happens is he gives then me he a PR. Then he learns over time. Well, he gives me a PR and I don't like the way he did something and it yeah. takes us 15 minutes to fix okay. it. So it doesn't matter I guess the, that he did it I wrong. think the junior developer is a valuable, powerful thing if if it's a high touch relationship and mm -hmm. everything is time boxed where you mm -hmm. intervene to save the thrashing mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm. spinning your wheels, you know, that can consume Yeah, that's the best days. thing you can train into somebody is... Yes, do not spin your wheels, awareness. don't thrash... Hit me up immediately. As soon as you start blowing more time on this than I would want you to. So I actually don't me. want him to hit me up immediately, but I do want him to hit me up when it's unreasonable. And that's like such a sketchy yeah, thing to very... balance. But he's actually really good at it. That's cool. He hits me up at like the appropriate time. Nice. And he he just like stops, yeah. which is great. Like he'll just like stop and he'll be like, hey, tomorrow, can we talk about this thing? Because like I just stopped because it was hard. Mm. And I'm not sure what to do. So like tomorrow, let's pair on it. I'm like, bet, bud. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. That's one of the most know. valuable things, Daniel. Building a good junior dev is like from someone who's not a programmer. Just like building like the ideal junior dev is like, once you have one who's really good, it's amazing. It's so important to have a culture of anti-thrash safe mm -hmm. a very safe place where it's built in you're not inconveniencing your senior it's built mm -hmm. in you mm -hmm. they are at your service mm -hmm. so that as soon as you are blocked in any way where mm -hmm. it's not useful for the company or mm -hmm. you the senior comes and saves you the problem is the person in that position which is you it requires a bunch of context switching and non-coding mm -hmm. it's a it's an mm -hmm. it's not a great life for somebody like me who just likes programming but yeah it's, it's a good life for someone and but yeah like that that really is the most valuable thing i suppose it's like all the bad comes from running out the clock with your wheels spinning not wanting to reach out to somebody trying to solve the problem yourself but having no context trying to hide that you're confused. especially trying to hide the, that's like the worst manifestation of the trying problem. to look cool to us to other people yeah fucks you so hard to Danny, yeah so Yes. All that, yes. 
Agreed. Daniel, oh, um, I want to talk more, but I, I have to call my mom and get you, some you get a pizza party pizza going. <laughs> I gotta get this pizza party going. All right, this is good. I'm glad we did this, even though it was Friday. Oh, we had to do um, it. We had to do it. It's been a minute. This is a good episode. Thank you, sir. Oh, dude, thank you, Daniel. I dude, love No dude. Plans to Merge. And I love, I love Daniel. No Plans to too. And I love hanging out with Daniel. Dude, I was just busting at the seams this week. Sorry for kind of commandeering the episode. Dude, you didn't at all. Like, Oh, cool. I had like 10 things I wanted to talk about. We talked about all of them, so it was cool. No, I mean, I didn't feel that way at all. I do that most weeks. Um, yeah. You should try using linear sometimes. I mean, I'm, I got an account now. It's open yeah. right now. All right. Um, Caleb. Daniel. Colborn. Would you please? It's time. And I shall cue please cue it. Right. The outro. Uh, done. <gasps> please. Mm.